playing the tug of war here with the hedgehog, the toy hedgehog. But uh, you know, I was thinking about, you know, I barely ever get any kind of notifications on my Facebook account anymore because I, I just don't use it enough. I'm not against it. It's just I, th I think the last couple of years have really killed all these social media apps. I know a lot of people are on TikTok, which I don't know. My phone can't even download that. It's better. It's better that way. Uh, but with Facebook, I mean, I never get any notifications. I don't really interact with anybody on there. But there's a guy who I don't even really know. I think he lives in Germany or Austria. He's kind of involved in some similar music that I have been involved in. But he's one of those guys. He always makes uh, makes new pages and invites you to like them. A friend has invited you to like his page, and it's funny, you know, because that was a big thing years ago. Like if somebody had a business or music or any kind of any kind of project, some people just had a weird personal page, like they they offer some kind of service, and it was a big thing to have a page like that where you promote yourself and you ask other people to like it. And I was just wondering if that's even do people even use that? Because that was big for companies, that was big for businesses. And I think we just, we really destroyed self-promotion. Because you, unless you were a real estate agent or an insurance salesman, you didn't promote your services to other people. And it was always considered a huge burden if you were a Tupperware lady selling makeup or, you know, even stuff like... Uh, and people would give a pass to uh, Girl Scout cookies because they like them. Oh, what's your favorite? Uh, Samoas. But uh, people would give a pass to those because they want them. But, you know, kids would sell chocolate bars. You know, so that, that was a little different, though, because it's like for kids and it's a fundraiser. But not that many people you knew were trying to push stuff on you. You know, I think people who know musicians, like, that's always been a burden. Where It's always like they're trying to get you to come to a show or listen to their music. So that's always been, if you've been involved in anything creative, people have always been pretty self-promotional. But we went through that, fa through that phase, like, probably starting around the early 2000s, where suddenly it's like people had this platform to promote their business, to start some sort of service, to promote their band, their record label. And you were kind of expected to to like their page, but there's this guy who he still and it's it's always the same guy. Like I think he makes a new uh, a new Facebook page for every album he does, and I think he does. He's always got new projects going on, and so he promotes it. And I don't even know him. That's the thing. I mean, it'd be, it'd be different if I knew him. I don't even know how I became friends with him because I've never interacted with him at all. Never had a single interaction. I don't even know if he knows who I am because that's the thing too about these people who are self-promotional. They just use social media where like they see that you, uh, they, they see you on somebody else's page and they just add you because you're one more person to promote their stuff to. And like, I understand trying to make a living. I understand trying to, you know, if you run a service and you depend on it to make a living, I understand promoting that. You have to do it some way. But it's just interesting to me because I, I was thinking about how that seems very antiquated now. And it seems like it only took a few years for the idea of, of promoting yourself on Facebook or social media in general just to go completely out. 
And I think part of it is just so many people have something to promote. Like I'm not a big Twitter user. I just uh, I'm basically an observer, just a, basically a way to observe what you know. Because that's I have noticed that that's where um, it's kind of the source of where people are discussing the topic of the day comes from. I mean, like you're not going to find that elsewhere. It's where a lot of the news. You know, you, you can see that like tons of news these days just comes from journalists as well as tv hosts or whoever writes for them basically just reading what's on twitter and reiterating it and i try not to do that on here but i'm I'm not a big twitter user i just kind of observe it a little bit some days more than others but i've noticed a lot of the people on there who are just nobodies just random guys who have gotten a small following like they're also always promoting something they're always promoting a book that they self-published, a one of those subscriber newsletter lists. I mean, I have one of those for um, my mafia research. But they're always selling something. And so we've developed into this culture of constant self-promotion and not just promoting ourselves, not just promoting like our, our personality, because that's a part of it too, is we as human beings, like, you know, long before technology allowed it, you know, we're, we always promote ourselves in some way. You know, we want to be cool. You can think of trying to be cool <laughs> is a form of self-promotion, of course, but it's like the idea of actually like trying to sell something to people or trying to get people to do something. And at some point it's just got to disappear. At some point it's got to go away. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I mean, I just, uh, a little self-promotion here, but uh, I put up a little store to sell some backstock of music going back, spanning the last like 15 years. I've just been sitting on so many things. And, you know, it used to be you just post a list. You go to a, you go to like a forum or something and you just like post a, a text list of, of what you have available and someone emails you and you email them back. And uh, you give them your PayPal information. But, I mean, people don't like to do that. It's so much back and forth. So I finally threw up, puked up a store, which if you're interested, if you're interested, see, that's great. I'm talking about self-promotion, and here I am. I just perfectly segued into my own self-promotion. But, no, I do have a store up with – it's beyondthebizarre.storeenvy.com, B-I-Z-A-R-R-E store envy s-t-o-r-e-n-v-y beyond the bizarre.storeenvy.com just backstock it's projects bands i've been in if you're interested i don't like to promote i mean i feel disgusting self-promoting and i mean that's the other interesting thing too is it's weird because we also know all the techniques now we know all the techniques and it's interesting how you know i've talked about this before but like how Self-promotion and advertising, it ends up mirroring nature in that it has to be chameleon-like. Where you can see where on social media, ads are made to look like posts. Where you're scrolling the, the feed and the ads are made to look like it's just any post, but it'll say in small letters, promoted, or it'll say it's an ad in tiny letters. And it didn't used to be that way. 
you know, it used to be pretty obvious that something was an ad online. Like it was either a banner or it was on the side and you could just tell right away it's an ad and you didn't even look at it. I mean, pop-ups were a thing of the past. Kind of surprising pop-ups aren't around anymore, to be honest, considering what a big deal it was. Pop-ups were such a big deal. Oh my God, the, the pop-ups are destroying my computer. Oh my God. You know, people were really upset about pop-ups. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's at some point though, it's I guess it was with social media where advertisements started kind of trying to blend in and they even start to use the language like i've noticed this with corporations now where they won't use punctuation sometimes they'll use all lowercase like they try to type the way that people type they'll even use the slang that people use and they pick up on the slang right away because the people writing this uh, ad copy the ad copy they're on social media all day anyway and they're young probably and old people can pick up on it quicker than ever but the idea is to make it seem organic, to make it seem like it's somebody you know. Somebody you know is promoting Burger King. Make it look like it's just part of everything else. And there are other examples of that, too. I mean, I guess TV commercials. You know, I don't really know the whole history of TV advertising. Obviously, I wasn't alive in the 1950s, so I didn't get to see them develop. But at some point, obviously, TV commercials started trying to seem like, I mean, a good example is like with football, there was this ad for, I think, Tide or some laundry detergent or something where they made it, they used the same NFL commentators that were commenting on the game that you were watching, but it was pre-filmed. And you th you feel like you're watching the game you're watching, but all of a sudden it like segues, like a player pulls out laundry detergent or something. So it's that chameleon sort of effect where it tricks you into thinking you're still watching the game you're, you're watching. And they do it very, it's almost seamless, but it, there, there's something almost surreal about it. Like you can tell the camera is different, but it's very subtle. And so we use this camouflage, we use this, chameleon-like disguise for advertising because we all know that none of us like it. You know, every once in a while, there's that, that person who works in advertising and they're like, I'm just, I love advertising. It's so fascinating. It is fascinating, but I don't see how you could love it. I don't see how you could be proud of it because nobody actually wants it. But, it, you know, it also goes with... Um, it goes along with, with any kind of, uh, you know, like robocalls and stuff. It's like they try to seem like something you'd want. I mean, I've mentioned this with junk mail, where there's a lot of junk mail these days that uses a font that looks like handwriting. I mean, it's it's obvious. Like, at first glance, you don't know. You have to, you have to, the thing is, you have to look at it twice. I get these, I'd say multiple times a week I get junk mail in the mailbox and it's printed with uh, this like like a fake handwriting font and it's not even a creative one like it's obviously not handwriting but at first glance you have to you don't know so you have to look at it again and that's the whole point and there's even some local places that do actually handwrite like I got an I got some sort of uh, advertisement from, I don't know if it was a local insurance company or who it was, but they actually hand wrote 
a promotional thing on notebook paper and just used a ballpoint pen. And they probably did that to seem natural and down home. Down home. But what was interesting about it was just that it's like they they clearly did that so you would look at it and think it's from somebody you know. And so advertising, it's it's almost this art of disguising yourself, making you think that it's something you would actually want from somebody. And there are a lot of forms of this, but it's just it's been interesting to watch that develop online. Where it's like they, they try to trick you. And I don't know how effective it is, you know. I mean, advertising, you know, must be a tiny ratio that clicks on things. Because I know that every once in a while I'll accidentally click on something that's an ad. And I, I feel this mortal, um, like, I, like I feel sick almost. Like I freeze up and I'm like, oh shit. It's almost like I clicked on porn or something in front of my parents. But I'm by myself, and it's just like, I know that nothing, it's, or it's like I clicked on a virus. I feel like I clicked on a virus. But the reality is, all I did is click on a, uh, on just a, an advertisement. Just a normal one. Like I clicked on a Pizza Hut link. The other night, I, I typed in, world's best pizza. <laughs> I and I haven't had pizza in a very long time, years. I guess I no, when I painted, I, I, somebody hired me to paint their house last year, a year and a half ago, and they they bought me pizza, and I was just like, you know what, I've been outside climbing up and down ladders, this is going to be really good, and it was. First time I'd had pizza in probably three years at that point, but I don't eat pizza anymore, but every once in a while, and I did this especially... I used to do this a couple years ago. I don't know why I did it, but I would just look up pizza. I would look up like pictures of really good pizza and I would feel myself getting hungry. Like even if I wasn't hungry, even if I had eaten, I would feel my stomach growling and it was like this weird little exercise, but I found it satisfying. Like there was something satisfying about looking at pictures of really good pizza and not eating it. Kind of like what I've talked about, like when I walk past a pizzeria or I walk past a fast food place and I'll just smell the food and I'm like, that's some great perfume, but I don't need it. I can just enjoy that smell. There's no reason why I can't just enjoy the smell of pizza. Because, you know, we smell something good and we're like, I want it. Oh my God, I want it. I was at a campfire party a few years ago. People were smoking pot. And somebody was like, imagine if we just had a big pizza cooking on this fire. And there was no pizza. And people were like screaming inside. And I understand. I mean, I understand. I, I, it sounded really good to me too. But it was funny to sit there and watch that because like somebody was just like, imagine if we just had a wood-fired pizza sitting on this campfire cooking. And then everybody then was just like dying that there was no pizza. I mean, they were high. It did sound really good, but it was just funny that like the idea of that, like the idea of like sitting there and I think there were hot dogs, like there was food and everything, but it was like, there was no pizza and it was, you could tell it tortured people. And that's how some people feel. I and mean, it's normal. I mean, it's completely normal. You smell good food. You smell good food. You want it. But I've kind of gotten into that. Like, and I, I don't feel like it's uh, I don't know. It's probably like Gandhi 
A story about how Gandhi would sleep every night in the same bed as a bunch of young girls. Not little girls, but just like beautiful women. But he wouldn't sleep with them. He wouldn't have, he would sleep with them, literally, but he wouldn't have sex with them. I feel like that's my version of that is like I, I walk by a pizzeria and just take a nice big smell of the pizza and go, oh, that smells great. It smells great. <laughs> and I don't, but I don't get pizza. I don't eat it. And so I used to do that too, two or three years ago. I would look up, I would just look up the, like the best pictures of pizza, like so, such satisfying looking pizza. And I don't feel that way when I look at like, like, I like cake. I like, I like, I like a nice chocolate cake. But I could look up pictures of chocolate cake and feel nothing. It doesn't mean anything to me. Like it doesn't, I don't think like I want that. But pizza, it's like you look at it and you're like, that looks so satisfying. But the other night I looked up world's best pizza and I spent actually quite a while just looking at really good pizzas. Just doing a little, what we call doing a little Gandhi, playing Gandhi. He lays down with beautiful women and doesn't have sex with them. I, I just look at pictures of wonderful, the be world's best pizza. I literally looked up world's best pizza. It was almost all margarita pizza. I didn't know that that's what people considered the best. I was never a margarita guy. It's not bad. I mean, I have nothing against margarita pizza. I didn't realize how many people consider the world's best pizza to be some variation of margarita but anyway, what got me thinking about it was just that since I've looked that up, all I'm getting are pizza advertisements, which everybody knows now. Everybody knows if you look something up, every single device you use, even if you're not using linked accounts, like even if you're not, you even if you don't have the same accounts open on your phone that you have on your computer, even if you're using different browsers, you're, you're going to start getting ads for pizza everywhere. And that's what I've been getting. Like, and, and what's funny too is it's like shitty pizza. Like, I typed in "world's best pizza," and now all I'm getting are pizza advertisements. But it's like Pizza Hut, Domino's. It's just, it's just shitty pizza. So it's funny. It's like, I, hey, at least if you're gonna, you know, just show me pizza advertisements from now on, at least make it the world's best pizza. Just keep showing me the world's best pizza, the WBP. But it is funny how it's like we're constantly trying to evade advertising. We're constantly trying to find ways around it. And it's constantly catching up to us. And it has to get more and more creative. Like just the idea of having... Because I mean, like going back to the idea of like the evolution of TV ads. I don't know when they started trying to be funny. I imagine that started in print. But when I think about like reading old magazines, you just see like the product staged elegantly. But I'm sure they've been using humor forever, I would guess. Although I could also see, you know, I could also see old ads just being very literal. Like mothers agree. This brand of Tupperware is simply the best. Yeah, you know, I can see them being very straight up like that. And that's actually refreshing when you do see something like that these days. When you see something, it's like, it's simply the best. Since everything has tried to be clever for so long and demeaning. You know, humiliation is a big part of advertising, if you haven't noticed. Where it's often somebody being humiliated. 
And it's if you watch TV at all these days, I only see it during football season, but for years now it's been this way and it's only intensified, but white men are the fall guy. Pretty much all advertising these days is a white man doing something really stupid and backwards and a woman and a black guy mocking him. And I'm not exaggerating. You know, it's it's truly how it is. Like even just even normal people are noticing it. But it just plays into just humiliation in general is big in advertising. Like look at this stupid person. And these smart people they know they know that he would have he would he would have such an easier time if he just used this website to do his taxes. Oh, look at the stupid guy. He's trying to do his taxes all by himself. But the woman and the black guy know that if you use uh, taxact.org, it's easy. It's just how advertising is. But they've been trying to trick you for a long time by it's like, oh, hey, something funny is happening. It's almost like a show. And I've told the story on here before, but being at the bar with my friend and her friend, and I was secretly in love with her friend, even though I barely knew her. She was just like this girl that I, I was, I just, I was like secretly in love with. She was kind of a friend of mine. Like we would always hang out if I saw her out and about. But she was really ditzy, and like my friend had told me that when I was like, "Oh, I have the biggest crush on your friend," and she was like, "You know what a ditch she is?" And I was like, "I don't care." But she was also one of those people who didn't smoke weed until she was like thirty-two. Like she had never smoked. She was like re raised religious, and didn't smoke weed for the first time until she was like in her 30s and then just got obsessed with it so every time i saw her she would always be like let's go outside and smoke weed and we were hanging out with her and she was just like let's oh have you guys seen this these videos like, have you seen these videos and we were like no She's like have you seen have you seen like the uh the backseat driver videos and we're like no i assumed it was just some youtube humor some YouTube humor. Oh, is that is that like the, the YouTube humor? You, I'm secretly in love with you. Um, I wasn't in love with her. I just she was she was like my not like I wasn't you know I was never gonna pursue her, and she wasn't like out of my league. It was just it was fun. It was just fun to like secretly have that thought that she was like my secret love. But uh, anyway, like like she she's. Telling us about these really funny videos, and she she lived up the street. She was like, "Let's go watch them." So we went to her house, and she like got it all queued up, and she started showing us these videos. And they were they were my friend and I were sitting there watching, and we were like really stoned and drunk. And she starts playing us these videos, and it's like a guy in the back seat of a rental car. Like I think the joke was like these people are renting a car, and there's just this, this guy already in the back seat. But we watched it for like 20, like 10 seconds. And my friend and I both turned to each other and we were like, what the fuck? And my friend just goes, is this a commercial? And it was. She was like her, the thing, she thought the funniest video in the world was a commercial. And she didn't, I don't even know if she knew it was a commercial. But it was blatant. Like it was for, it was literally a commercial for a rental car company. And she was like in this alleyway outside of a bar. She's like, have you seen like the backseat driver video? We're like, no. 
And like she's showing it to us and we were like, we were ready just to be like, okay, this is some funny thing she's going to show us. And we just both turned to each other and we're like, is this a commercial? Because it's one of those, it's a matter of principle. Like you can't allow yourself to laugh at a commercial and it wasn't funny as you would expect. Like it's, it's seriously, it was like a series of TV commercials for a rental car company and they're different variations of a guy sitting in the back seat. When the people rent the car, like they rent the car and there's, there's a guy already in the back seat, like, where are we going? Something to that effect. I don't, I don't really remember it. If you, if you, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't really remember. But I almost liked her more for it. Like, because it was so stupid. Like, that, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, nobody's ever sat me down. Or, I mean, nobody's ever, like, invited me to their house and been like, Hey, uh, have you seen this funny video? And then they show me a TV commercial. But, like, it didn't even... It's like it didn't even... Like, because she... Like, when, when my friend was like, is this a commercial? And the girl was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, it didn't make any difference. Like, she... That's why I like this girl. That's why this. That's why I was secretly in love with this girl. Is because, like, she was, she saw the world through, like, such pure eyes... That it didn't make a difference to her that she thought the funniest video in the world was a TV commercial. Like, it made no difference whatsoever that this was a television commercial. And we knew right away. Like, we could sense it right away because you can feel it. You can feel advertising. It's like that feeling of when you accidentally click on one and you feel like you just downloaded a virus. It's that same feeling. Like when you realize that something you're watching is trying to sell you something. It's the same feeling when somebody you know is trying to sell you something. Like a friend of mine, and he's a good friend of mine. But he had some kind of deal with like a... He had some kind of like... Uh, I don't even know what you call it. Like maybe a membership. He had, he had a membership with like some kind of clothing outfitter. And I think he got like deals... I think he got like discounts or something if somebody else buys things at his recommendation. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. I think it was something like that, but he was trying to get me to buy stuff through it. And it, it was something that I didn't need. He suggested it kind of out of nowhere. And he's just like, well, well yeah, but it, dude, they got really good deals, dude. Like, like if you buy from them and I, and I was just like, I don't need any of this. It really was like somebody trying to sell you Tupperware or, or uh, those knives. It really was that same kind of feeling, like like cut cut co knives. Because he was just like, oh no no, but but if you order from them, like uh, in the next two months, like dude, the, you're gonna get a discount, and like do 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 do. And I was just like, I don't need this though. Like I, I didn't I didn't come to you and say, hey, I'm looking for hiking boots. You're trying to sell me this. He's like, no, but dude, like, uh, but if you order it, you know, it's like, no, no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't ask you that. I didn't even tell you I was looking for anything like this. This is the last thing on my mind. This is the last thing I'm looking to spend money on right now is outdoor equipment. I have shoes. Like, I have shoes. Okay. 
Because like in that moment, like and this guy, he's a great guy. Like I, I, I'm not trashing my friend, but he deserves a little, you know, he deserves a little, a little nudge in the nose for this, for that one. He deserves to be the the punchline in this case because it was like he. What's what's funny though is I don't even think he realized what he was doing. I don't think he even realized he was trying to push it. I think he was just really excited about what he's doing and he was excited about having having a membership or whatever he had whatever kind of service he had but it was something like that where i think if i if i were to purchase from this company he would get some kind of benefit like a referral maybe but it was just like i don't think he even realized what he was doing And I think that's where we're at, though. I mean, like, fortunately, that wasn't self-promotion. Fortunately, that wasn't, like, buy my thing. It was just kind of something that we're like, well, if you if you do want to buy this thing, I will benefit from it. It wasn't, like, buy my thing. Beyondthebazaar.storeenvy.com. Buy, buy my bag stock. It wasn't like that. It was, um, I think it was, it's just, I think it's subconscious now. I think it's subconscious. Like this guy I was talking about who lives in Austria or Germany who like, he's just always, I mean, it seems like every month I get like two or three notifications that are like, so-and-so wants you to like his new page. He does it for everything. And I just wonder who's even paying attention to that. Like, are people still going to, because I mean, that was the thing with companies where companies were engaging with people. Like I worked for a tech company that had a Facebook page and it, it was amazing how much time and energy went into that. And I do think, and that was kind of the peak years of that though. That was when that was relatively new when people actually cared to like, like a page and like check for updates and see what some company was pushing. Like there was a lot more engagement with businesses through that. And I wonder how much of that's happening, but it was crazy, like how much energy in the company went into that. Like we had somebody whose job it was to manage that and post things. But even beyond that, like the CEO was obsessed with it. He was constantly like trying to dream up new ways to engage people. It really, it dictated the entire mood of the office. But I wonder how many people are are even checking company pages. I think people just got sick of it. Like so many people were pushing different things on them. So many people were trying to sell something at, a, at any given time. And then like with people themselves becoming quote unquote brands too. Because I think that was just the logical conclusion of all this. Is that people see themselves as a brand. And I mean, I, I was watching these videos. Like there's some young guy. He's kind of an independent journalist. I think he's like 24, so he's young. But he goes, in the last couple of years, he's gone to different events. Like he went down to Daytona Beach during lockdown, like when people were defying lockdown orders to like party on Daytona Beach to do spring break and things like that. Like he went there and interviewed people. He went to Trumpsfeld rallies, any event, any weird event. He'll go to weird, you know, he'll go to festivals and that kind of thing. And he just, inter- he just goes and talks to people. Like recently he did an interview with... Uh, the January 6th shaman from prison. So he'll he'll interview everybody. 
and he's he's kind of quiet and objective, and he's 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 got a goofy side. But I don't know. I, I I just heard about him the other day. I don't even know anything about him. But uh, I, I watched this interview with him, with kind of a famous live streamer, a famous live streamer. And it was weird to watch them interact because both these guys, I think, are in their mid twenties, so they're like, you know, at least ten years younger than I am. And it was weird, like when they were talking about things, because it was like them sitting in a room, talking about the guy's career as like this YouTube journalist, and the other guy's a live streamer. And they were like talking about the because like one of the guys used to rap in high school, like he was a, a white rapper in high school, and it was really fucking bad. And they were watching his old rap videos and stuff. But and the guy was like, "Oh man, this is so cringe. Oh my god, this is so cringe worthy. Whatever the however the fuck they talk." But the one guy was like, no, 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 this, this is going to be great content. No, this is, this is great content. And I hear that a lot where people be like, no, no, this is, this is great content. Dude, this is such great content, dude. Like when I was looking, I, I noticed that too when I was looking to those Minecraft teenagers. The non-binary Minecraft millionaires. Like when I was watching the video of them, it was just them like goofing off in the UK. They were just wandering around London goofing off. But I noticed like little things they would say, like they were just, you know, filming video on their camera phones. But they would say things like, oh, dude, that's going to make such good content. And it was just it was silly stuff, too. It was stuff that anybody would do. And I'm not even knocking them for it because they're probably right. I mean, these kids make millions of dollars doing this. These kids make millions of dollars playing Minecraft and making an occasional cell phone video. Like they're doing something that I'm not doing. Uh, but what got me is just like the way they talk is they'll say a lot of things like that. We'll be like, oh man, this, this is going to be such good content though. So they're constantly thinking about like how to promote things and like how to sell things. Good for them. It's like, it's a business. But I think a lot of people who aren't successful do that too. There's a lot of people who they kind of think in terms of self-promotion. And I mean, I do this show. I mean, I, I don't think it out. It should be pretty obvious. I don't think any of this out. I, don't, I you know, if, if an idea comes to me of something I want to talk about, I just start recording. I don't think, oh man, people are going to like this. I think, oh, that people are going to find this unbearable. The five people who care are going to find this unbearable. But it, it is interesting though, this, this culture of self-promotion where if you're not selling a product, you're selling yourself. And it used to be too, you know, you'd sell your business. Like if you work for a company, you're selling that all the time. You're a company man. But we kind of see through that now. Like that's been mocked. That's been deconstructed. Like people know that very few people are truly invested in the company they work for. Like I was talking to my dad about my grandpa who worked like for decades for the same company. It was like a food distributor. And he worked for them his entire life. Like as soon as he got back from World War II, he basically worked for them in various incarnations. And he was loyal to them. And he loved that company. But that's pretty uncommon now. Because, like, I know people, I'll meet people who are real go-getters, and they'll get some kind of job that I could only dream of. 
Like I had a friend from high school who was, you know, like one of those perfect people. Like varsity football, homecoming king. Not just straight A's, but like straight A's in advanced placement classes. Like just perfect, perfect student. I haven't seen him since high school. Haven't had any communication with him, but he was a friend of mine. And you didn't, nobody disliked him. He was like one of the, he, he truly was one of those perfect people where excellent athlete, like wasn't going to go on to play in college, but he, he made the varsity team every year. He was a starter, every sport, didn't matter what sport he played. He was going to be really good. All, it didn't matter what class he took, math, English, advanced placement, everything, you know, honors. And everybody liked him. Just one of those people. Like, nobody resented him. Nobody was jealous. But they, like, we used, to jo- we used to joke that he was going to be a, uh, a politician. Like, my friend Nick and I were, when we were up in Canada at his cabin in the mountains, in the deep snow-covered mountains, we got a cab ride home from this Russian or Bulgarian, I don't know what he was. He was maybe Belarus, Belarusian, Belarusian. He was from one of those countries. And he was just telling us all these, he, we were, he was driving us home to the cabin and he was just telling us this story about, he's like, the two guys wandered off into the mountains here and they disappeared and they died. And we were like, is he talking about us? Is this like a prophecy? He's like, two guys got drunk and wandered off into the mountains and they died. But it was this long, drawn-out story, and we were sitting there listening to it, just drunk. And we were like, he's talking about us. This is some alternate timeline where you and I, like, instead of getting the cab ride home, we wandered into the mountains and died, or got lost. But then we came up with this whole scenario where that friend from high school, like the, the, the ultimate achiever, where, like, he's now a senator. Because that was our joke, is that what else does a guy like that do except become a senator? Where, like, he's going to send search teams to look for us. And he's going to tell them, he's like, and take these thermoses of hot soup for when you find them. (laughs) Make sure you take these thermoses of hot soup. But anyway, uh, there was a point here. There was a point. Something to do with self-promotion. Something to do with that all-achiever, ultimate-achiever type guy. Oh, yeah, just people, like, I remember hearing that, like, right out of college, he was making, like, six figures. Like, he, he was making some insane amount of money, but it was just nothing to him. Like, he just did it for a little while. Like, I'm sure it wasn't satisfying, but I remember he was just like, oh, he just he just made six figures for a little while, and then he moved on to something else. And I mean, that, the reason I bring that up, though, is just because that's that's just that's my generation. It's like you get a six figure job that you probably don't even hate. It's probably boring or something, but it's like you, you're getting paid insanely good amounts of money. And this is true for all of the people I know from my generation who are achievers. Like they'll get the dream job. They'll get a dream job and they're making insane amounts of money, but they're looking for something else. It's not like my grandpa who got back from World War II and he was making, you know, just a decent living working every day, doing sales for like a cheese company or sales for a food distribution company. And he's just like, I'm going to be loyal to this company for the rest of my life. 
It's like people from my generation get something that's way more lucrative than that. The achiever types. And they're just like, well, what's next? Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to move to Boston and, and get this other super desirable job. They just bounce around. And it's I, I have no problem with that. Like, I don't think people need to have loyalty. But we've kind of accepted that, like, all of that's phony bullshit. We've accepted that just, like, you don't give a shit about the companies you work for. And it's kind of, it's weird when you do. Like, I've talked about that coworker of mine who used to work for Comcast or some cable company. And everybody hates that company. Everybody talks shit about this cable company because they screw you over every left and right. But this person I worked with used to work for them in just customer service. And they were really defensive of them. Like, in their mind, they were like, well, well no, but they... See, the reason why they charge you the, the service fee for no reason is because uh, the employee, well they, well, they have to pick up your cable box and move it into the storage cubby where cable boxes go. And that's why they, they have to charge you the service fee. Well, they have to, they have to do, they, they have to print out a piece of paper on the printer when you cancel your service. So that's why they charge you 15 bucks just to do, it was like, they, they, they had like this whole system of justification for why the company charges you these ridiculous fees when you make a change or when you cancel your service. And so there are people like that where like it does get built into them. Like those are the same types of people who like if they vote for Jabama bin Biden, they now feel the need to defend him for the rest of his term. Like it's the same sort of person who's like, well, I'm a Democrat, so I'm going to vehemently defend Democrats. I'm a Republican, so I'm going to defend everything Republicans do. It's the same sort of mindset where it's like, I have to find a way to rationalize why I did this. And now I'm just all in. But when it comes to business and companies, I don't think people really think that way as much. And it's, it's kind of weird when somebody does. It's weird when somebody buys in that way. And I think that kind of goes along with like people seeing themselves almost as this brand. Like you're not working for a brand. You are the brand. Great content, dude. Not everybody's that way. But they are, you know, people who use social media are, you know, people who use Instagram. Like they think about like when they when they take a picture of something, they're taking a picture of that because they're like, oh, man, people are going to like this on Instagram. Oh, my friends are going to like this. They're not taking a picture of something just to be like, hey, I want to have a picture of that. I want to remember that and have it in my phone. They're taking a picture of something deliberately to share it with everybody they know, hoping that it's popular. And when it's not popular, they are pissed. <laughs> they either feel stupid or mad or both. I'm st I feel stupid and I'm mad. Because it is this sort of like, how can I promote myself? I'm not just going to take a picture of that thing. I need to promote it. I need, I need to promote this. Because I'm promoting me. But I don't know where all that goes. I mean, I think people are already pulling away from it. Like, I think most people, they roll their eyes when they get a Facebook notification now. And it's like, so-and-so wants you to like his page. So-and-so wants you to like her new profile promoting her business. 
I think people roll their eyes when they see that because the period where that was exciting, where people were, you know, were engaged with Facebook in that way is over. And I mean, for that matter, too, it's like when you think back about like what was going on a few years ago, too, it's kind of weird. Like, I remember like in the early 2010s, mid to, to maybe the mid 2010s, like you'd still get invited to things. Like people would also make event pages for everything. Like if somebody was having a birthday party, they'd make a Facebook page inviting you. So-and-so invited you to their birthday. So-and-so, people would invite you to like random, so-and-so invited you to like movies in the park. It wouldn't even necessarily be something that like they were just inviting you to. It'd be like somebody would stumble across like a Facebook event page. It's like they're showing, uh, they're showing space balls in the, in the park on July 21st. So-and-so sent you an invite. Which wasn't like saying like, hey, do you want to go to Spaceballs in the park with me? Hey, do you want to go to Spaceballs in the park with me? It wasn't even like them directly inviting you. It was just like, hey, I think I'm going to this if you want to go. But people would do it for their own birthday parties where it's like someone would set up a birthday party page. RSVP. But the weird thing about that, it's like, I mean, that just shows you the voyeuristic world that we've been in where it's like somebody used to invite you to a party and if they sent you, like, they might tell you, or at most, if it was like a form, more formal birthday party, like you're supposed to RSVP in writing, I guess. But with this weird Facebook event era, the era of Facebook events, like you RSVP semi-publicly and everybody else who's going can see if you're going and because it's a panopticon, it's like everybody is looking at it. And it would tell you if they saw it. Like if, if somebody got invited to a Facebook event, like a party, it would say if that person had seen the page and you were supposed to say like going, not going, maybe. And if you were cool, you would say maybe. If you were, if you were hip and you were cool, you'd just say maybe. But it was this weird little era where it was like, you can all see who's going, but people are also going to make their decision based on who's going, and you don't want to be too eager, because people play the politics of this shit. People are ma maniacs. Well, I don't want to be one of the first people to RSVP. I don't want to be too eager to go. Is she going? Oh, I see they invited her. Now I'm going, oh, they, Kim is going. Oh, Kim. Kim's invited to the party. I'm not going to click that I'm going until I see that she's going. Meanwhile, she's waiting to see who else is going before she decides that she's going. Insanity. I think that's all gone now, though. I mean, first of all, it's like people don't have parties like that the last two years. But it's been years since I saw anything like that, period. I really haven't seen people do much of that since the mid-2000s. But it was really big for a while. I mean, even just coworkers. I remember, like, if, if a coworker was setting up a happy hour sometimes, they would just they would create a Facebook event for it. Crazy.
but yeah, things like that, like like self promoting your your business page or your creative page on social meteor. I was listening to a British guy who said social meteor, <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I forgot that's real. Because I can't even remember the roots of that, like the roots of that joke. I mean, I think I, I think it was probably kind of a British joke to begin with, like how British people vodka drinking vodka. It's like Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, vodka and tonic. I can't even remember if that was why I started saying social media or probably, but uh, with social media or, I mean, people have just gotten sick of each other. Period sick of each other, period. And I think Coronavi was kind of the final, the last straw on that, where, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. Abs- it's, it's, these are a tandem. These are, this is the best tag team in the WWF, which is absence makes the heart grow fonder and familiarity breeds contempt. And I, I ran into that recently because I'd taken a break from research mob research didn't have time to be doing any research and a friend a couple guys who i collaborate with on research like they were knocking down my door they were calling me and sending me messages and like being like man we we want you to come back and work on some stuff collaborate on some stuff and then and i came back earlier this month like i had time to dig into some research again and they're like nah nah they seem almost bothered by me. <laughs> I, I think they, they just have other stuff going on, but it's just funny how that works. So, and that's that's just my life in a nutshell. It's like, if I'm not around, if I'm busy, that's when I hear from people. They're like, well, what are you doing? You know, you call me, you get a hold of me. Come on, man. Come on. And then, I'm, and then when I'm available, people are like, what? Dude, you're, dude, you're annoying, man. Dude, you're fucking annoying. That's true for like making plans and everything too. I find that when I, I don't make plans with people on my own. I usually wait for other people to make plans because just every time it's like, you know, if I try to make plans with somebody, it's like they're not around. But then, you know, if I don't make plans with them, they're knocking down my door to do something. They're trying to get a hold of me. It just always works that way. So as a result, I just don't even put the effort in. But it does play into that familiarity breeds contempt where like when people have too much interaction with you or see you too much, they're just like, man, I'm so sick of you. Every little thing you do makes me fucking sick. And then you don't give them anything. And they're just like, I miss you. I miss you, dude. It's just funny how that works. Hey, baddie. I mean, it's true for relationships, of course. Like your girlfriend's out of town. and She's like calling you every night and messaging you all day. She gets back to town and it's just like, oh God. Doesn't want anything to do with you. I think about those ideas a lot. And then we're always trying to like kind of manage those and play those. Like people know those ideas. And it plays into advertising too. You know, where advertising kind of tries to use those a little bit. I mean, advertising is pretty shameless. Like they just, they want you to be familiar. They want you to be thinking about it. 
but people have to be strategic about it. Like when people are promoting themselves, they have to be kind of strategic about it. Because it's like, you don't want to be too familiar with it. You don't want to remind people of it too much. And then uh, if you don't mention it at all, people start, they knock on your door, they call you, they chase you down. Interesting bunch, humans. We're an interesting bunch. Commute and we, we try to hide, we try to disguise ourselves too. The idea is to try to seem natural, try to do something naturally. Try to sell something naturally. That's why I always say, like, a, a good car salesman, a good used car salesman doesn't seem like a used car salesman. And that's true in politics. Or like, the politician who you genuinely like is the one you should be the most afraid of. That's why when people were like, Trump's felt such a used car salesman, I used to think, like, well, isn't that what you want? Like, wouldn't, I mean, shouldn't that be a good thing to you? Not, not necessarily what you want. But shouldn't that be a good thing? Like, isn't it a good thing that Trumpsfeld seems like a used car salesman because you know that about him? He has a fake tan and dyed hair and some weird, I don't even know if it's a comb over or something very weird with his hair. Doesn't that tell you what you want? Isn't, doesn't that kind of tell you what you're already thinking? Whereas it's like the politician who's a little too slick. You're like, you know, I actually like him. Is the guy you actually have to be afraid of. Because like if you buy a, a used car from a guy like Trumpsfeld, you're driving home thinking, oh, God, that guy was that guy was uh, sleazy, man. Oh, man, that was a used car salesman. All right. I'm just glad that I got the deal that I got. You know, he, he was, uh, he was trying to sell me, he was trying to BS me the entire time, but you know, Hey, I, at least I got some kind of deal out of it. Whereas like the, the effective used car salesman who screws you over is the guy where it's like, you ended up paying $2,000 more than the blue book and you're driving home thinking, man, Brad was so cool. Dude, dude, I think Brad's my friend. I know, dude, I know he's a used car salesman, but, you know, he didn't look like a used car salesman. And, like, honestly, I think he thought I was cool. And, I, you know, when he said that I look really good in this car, like, I think he was just telling me the truth. Because I could tell that Brad, the used car salesman, liked me. That's the one you have to worry about. It's Brad, who, who seems like he's your best friend from high school, where you don't even feel like you're, you don't even feel like you're getting screwed over. And you're driving home after having paid way too much money for this car. But it's the guy who's like, God, that guy, he had a comb over and a fake tan. I barely got out of that one. I'm just glad I got this, this car. Jeez. That makes you feel shittier because you knew what was happening. He wasn't very well disguised. He wasn't a good chameleon. He wasn't camouflaged. That's kind of how I felt about Trumpsfeld. Is it's like he's not very cam he's not very well camouflaged. I don't think anybody looks at Trumpsfeld and thinks like, man, he sure blends in, sure blends in with the environment.
which is the weird thing about Jabama bin Biden is like he is very much the slick guy. He's the ultimate politician, or he was. Like when he was younger and he was sharper, he was really good at being a politician. Like even before Obama, like the first time I ever saw Jabama bin Biden was when he was running for president in like 2004 or 2008. And I saw him on Bill Maher. And I remember I didn't know who he was. And I remember watching him talk. And I was like, this guy's the ultimate politician. He's got the ultimate smile. He was a lot sharper. He had a lot more clarity. But what's weird about him now, it's not just that he's obviously deteriorating. It's not that he, he's just this skin and bones stumbling through every sentence. It's that you can tell that he still has like muscle memory of what he used to be. So he'll still do that classic like white tooth smile. He'll, he still knows how to kind of smile with his eyes. He still knows what some of the mannerisms are. It's like he's been doing that for so long that he still remembers what it is to be a slick politician and sell, you know, to sell his politics, to sell his persona. But because he's he's so far gone, because he's so old and he's just barely making it, it's it makes it weird. It's almost like a uh, uncanny valley effect. Where it's like there's almost this robotic, there are these robotic mannerisms that come from just being a dyed-in-the-wool slick politician his entire life, but he's not functional enough to pull it off. And I think that's actually what disturbs people more. It's not that he's just some, like, decrepit old man. It's that he's this decrepit old man who still, like, who still kind of has these ticks of what he used to be. It's almost like this, this form of Tourette's or something, where like occasionally he'll do something that that is in line with the way he used to carry himself, but combined with how decrepit he is, it just makes him seem like a weird, almost like an animatronic bot. And I don't hear people mention that. I don't hear, like they'll just be like, oh, he's so old and he can't talk. But it's like, no, he's old and he can't talk, but then he'll still kind of smile with his eyes and at the wrong time, he'll flash his politician smile. At the wrong time, he'll do those hand mannerisms. At the wrong time, he'll make some kind of slick statement. But when you combine it with the mess that he is, it just ends up being that much more disturbing. And I wonder who's impressed by that. I mean, that's, that's kind of amazing to me. And I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's, there, there's probably Trumpsfeld supporters who kind of tricked themselves into not seeing him as what he is. Like there's probably Trumpsfeld supporters who are like, you know what? He actually is, he actually really does have a healthy glow to him. He actually does uh, have a, because uh, I heard people say like, he looks better. He's the only president to go into office who, who left looking just as good as when he came in. And it's like, well, it's because, he has a spray tan and, and colored hair. You know, he didn't look, he wasn't natural going in, you know. So it's like, a, there's Trumpsfeld supporters for sure who kind of trick themselves into seeing him as something that he isn't. Or it's like, you know, he's actually a really handsome guy. So I imagine there's Jabama supporters who see him and they're like, hmm, oh, he's got that, I love his smile. Oh, he's got, so he's got kind eyes. Jabama, he's got such kind eyes. When the reality is, it's, it's like 
it's like a robot malfunctioning and it's still occasionally doing what it's supposed to do. But because most of the time it's not, it just ends up being disturbing. There's a lot of Uncanny Valley, though. I mean, it's pretty common with women. You know, because it used to be, I mean, you can't even uh, rest on, like, like you see what, like, old plastic surgery looked like, and that almost looks reassuring now. Like, when you see a woman who just got a nose job and her, her cheeks shaved and has a boob job, like, that's kind of reassuring now. It didn't used to be. But now you see it, and it's like, oh, she's a classic beauty. She's a classic plastic surgery beauty. Because you compare that to now, like, especially this hip thing. The ass and hip thing is, I think, one of the more disturbing plastic surgery trends. Not just women getting ass implants. It's, it's pretty obvious when you see it. But that's not even the weird thing. The weird thing is the waist thing. Where, like, this new plastic surgery where it's, like, they'll have a really skinny waist that goes down. And then there's almost these, like, horizontal ridges that stick out on each side. Like, there's no natural curve to it. It's not like a woman with wide hips. It's not, it's not like a woman who gets in shape and has kind of a thin waist that kind of tapers out into wide hips. It's like this little weird little... Uh, it's almost like a custom action figure or a doll where you took a torso from a different figure and put it on the hips and legs of another action figure that it's not meant to go with. That's what some of this plastic surgery looks like. And then the face stuff too, because like women are getting their, their noses done and their cheeks shaved, but it's more smooth. But it, it somehow looks even less natural. Like I saw a woman... A black woman and she had had that done like her face had been shaved down and it was just so bizarre like it was just a video of her doing like a, it was a video but it was like a selfie video where she was just like showing her face from different angles and doing like a kissy or pouty face a kissy pouty face and uh, it was it just looked so unnatural and so weird and it looked worse than if she had just had like the old school stereotypical plastic surgery because it's a little more smooth it's a little more subtle but it's still impossible not to notice that something is very weird and then you combine that with what's going on with the hips and and the the waist and it's really fucking mutant it is it is really fucking mutant to see that and I, I don't live in a place where you see real women like that I imagine if you go to Miami or LA, you see a lot more of that. But but it's just it's it's the strangest thing, and I wonder how you age like that. Because I mean, what we've seen with women with the old school plastic surgery is they keep getting more of it, and then as they age, it gets stranger and stranger. It 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 just gets more and more mutant. And so I'm curious what these current plastic surgery. Uh, you know, these newer versions of plastic surgery are going to do with time, with time and age, because it's not going to be good. But there are so many different uncanny valleys. There's so many different people trying to do, like, do something that takes a significant amount of work to be different from what they really are.
like so many people that are going to very expensive involved lengths to make themselves different. And the result is just pure mutation, but it's not mutation. They look like mutants, but it's actually not mutation because mutation happens naturally. But it does seem apocalyptic. And I mean, I've, things have felt apocalyptic to me for years. But it, it, when you actually assess, when you survey the land, and you think about like how people are, are just these self-promoting mutants, that does seem pretty apocalyptic, right? It does seem like that's what people would be like during times of apocalypse. I would think so. I don't think people would be normal. I don't think people would be humble. I think they would look like butchered freaks who are trying to sell something, sell themselves, who are going around thinking about content, who are trying to strategically disguise what they're selling but doing a poor job of it with a president who's like a, a malfunctioning animatronic politician. That does seem pretty apocalyptic to me. Although it doesn't feel pressing right now. You know, the last couple of years, there have been little phases where it's like, oh, the apocalypse feels like it's coming any day now. And as I've, you know, as I realized as a teenager, apocalypse is kind of subtle and gradual, but there are big waves. It's like losing weight where you'll suddenly lose a lot of weight in a short amount of time, plateau for a while, then you'll lose some more gradually. I feel like apocalyptic scenarios are kind of that way where it's like the last couple of years, there've been some big moments, like some big drops, some big roller coaster drops. And then you just kind of carry on gradually going down for a while. And that's kind of how it feels right now. It feels like things feel very boring. Things feel kind of not like they're stagnating. Because it does feel like a decline of some kind. But it's like things feel like they're kind of stagnant, like they're slow moving. It doesn't seem like there have been any big events. And I mean, I have to admit, I might have gotten kind of addicted to the high of the last couple of years. The last couple of years, last 25 months, there's been one big thing for me after another. You know, my mom died. That was, you know, several months that were just utterly surreal. And I have to remind myself how surreal that was. And then you follow that up with like coronavirus two months later, two and a half months later. BLM riots. Then, it, I mean, when you think about like from December 2019 to, to January 2021, it was like being high the entire time. And it was one event after the other. And I haven't forgotten anything. I think some people, it's just, there's been so much overload that they've just shut a lot of it out. I don't, like I was talking to Miles about that, just how memory, memory seems to be a big point of conflict where a lot of people just don't remember what's happened. You'd think they would. But as they've kind of moved on, maybe it's survival, maybe it's something else, but 
seems like people have pushed away a lot of things. Like they experience this state of panic and fear and hypervigilance and paranoia. And you'd think that that would burn every single thing into their memory, but almost like a trauma. And I hate to invoke that word given how it's abused and used, but almost like a, what you hear about people blocking trauma out. It's almost like people's trauma. And I don't feel traumatized by the last two and a half years, two years, 25 months. Like even though I experienced a major death preceding everything else that has happened, I don't really feel traumatized by anything. I definitely feel burnt out. I feel worn out and burnt out. I feel worn out and burnt out. Um, but uh, I don't feel traumatized by it. But a lot of people were, and I don't blame them for that. I don't, and I'm not hard on people for that. I mean, you can. There's plenty of reason why you would be traumatized. But kind of like what you hear about real trauma, and I think this has been real trauma for people. They they block things out after it happens because they have to keep going. But at some point, it has to come back. At some point, some of that, some of those memories, these repressed memories, and I really do think people have repressed a lot of different. Just different talking points, that's one thing. But also events. And they're selective about what they do remember. But, you know, between, like I said, in my life, when you combine both personal events and everything else going on in this country and the world, December 2019 to January 2021, it was one thing after the other. And then I, I wouldn't even really be able to tell you much about 2021. It was a blur. I know things happen. It was mainly just tension. It was it was it felt like it was less events. Felt like it was less eventful. And it was just nonstop kind of churn. 2021 was just a year of churning tension. And just kind of watching the how things developed. But now that we're here, it's like, it just feels like the fallout from that. If you, this feels like right now, it feels like the backwash from all that. And it doesn't feel like it's really moving forward. I'd like it to. But I'm also kind of sitting around like waiting for something very eventful to happen. And I have this sense of guilt. Because a couple weeks before my mom died, I was talking to her. And I said to her, I was like, I just want something really big to happen. I think I've mentioned this on here before, but I said to her, I was like, I just want something really big to happen. Then my mom died and Coronavi hit and we, our, our country descended into utter turmoil. And I'm like, well, I got what I wanted. Something big happened in many different ways. So I have this sense of guilt, like I somehow willed that to happen. I don't, I, do you really believe that? Do you actually believe that all this is because you... Are you that narcissistic? No, but, you know, I don't I don't have an alternate theory either, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I did say I really want something big to happen, like a world event. But I also realized, like, I kind of got addicted to that high in some ways. Of, like, checking the news and it's something major is happening. Something major, something major. It's like now there's just this kind of weird um, anger and resentment. People are very self-involved. Like people who have managed to do well through all this 
who've managed to like earn a steady income, who haven't been significantly impacted beyond the ways that everybody, beyond like the collective impact, like they're very self-involved. And some of them even kind of have this attitude that's like, what do you mean? Things are already back to normal. There's people who think that way. It's crazy. I'm living in a different world from them. And, you know, my situation could be worse. It could be different. So I'm not saying, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that things are just strange, man. And I don't, but the thing is, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to catch myself saying I want something else big to happen because at this point it feels like anything could happen. So I don't want to will that to, I don't want to will that into being again. I don't want to be saying that to myself because I think I got more than what I possibly could have asked for. But there's a part of me that, you know, I don't, I don't want normal ever again. And I don't know that I'm going to get that. But I do find myself like last night, I hadn't, I hadn't looked at social media or the news or anything in a couple of weeks, really. And last night I found myself just refreshing pages, just looking at things, just trying to find that one captivating story, that one event that is going on. But I think people have been beaten into submission, even though a lot of people are still kind of defying some of the, the rules and everything, even though people are still pushing back. It all just seems kind of automatic at this point. Like people have been locked into place. And I, I haven't seen a lot of new thought. I'm not seeing a lot of new thinking going on. And maybe now is not the time for that. Because, you know, 2020 was philosophically a freaking fascinating year. There was a lot to think about. 2021, you know. Kind of a, a little bit of a continuation of that. Kind of a watch and see. Think about what you've learned over the last year. But now it just seems like brains are shut down. People are in full automation. But like I was saying in that last episode earlier, it's still shaky ground. I don't trust the, the footing right now. I don't trust it in any way. Because things do feel like they could give out at any time. And that's why, like, I was saying this to somebody else, but I was, like, thinking about just banks, business, just the system, those systems, insurance. It kind of does feel like a skin suit. Like, it kind of feels like something has given way. Like, the infrastructure has crumbled. The contents of the body are rotten. And all of these systems, all, like, I mean, here's an e, another eBay reference, another eBay reference. But it's like today, I got this notification from eBay. I didn't violate any more weapons policies, but I got this notification from eBay. There was like, if you don't give us your social security number, and this wasn't a scam, but it was like, if you don't, if you don't give us your social security number, you won't get any more payouts. Because if you've sold more than $600 worth on eBay... The IRS has to know. It's that whole $600 thing that they put into effect. They put in this new law where it's like if you, I think it's if you deposit more than $600 into your bank account, you have to notify the IRS or your bank has to notify the IRS, which is brand new. 
Because the law was always, I think it was something like, if you deposit $10,000 or more, they have to notify the IRS. I can't remember what it was. There's some law that's been around forever. Because you used to hear like money launderers would deposit money. They would deposit like $9,999. I'm probably getting this wrong, but it was something to the effect. There was a law like this where if you deposited $9,999, like that wouldn't flag the system. But if you deposited $10,000, it would, it would get flagged or it would get they'd have to review it or something. But they changed it so like if you deposit more than $600 or something like that, the IRS has to know. They want to know every single transaction above $600. So eBay sent me a message saying, like, basically, you won't get any of the money we owe you if you don't give us your social security number so we can notify the IRS of what, what you've made. But all that stuff, it just feels like a skin suit around something that's crumbling or rotten. Like bills, insurance rent, mortgages, business. It, it almost feels like something that's just running on pure momentum at this point. And it's kind of amazing that it's still going. And uh, maybe I'll feel more that way later. I don't know. But it's like we've created this kind of self-perpetuating system and it's kind of amazing that all of that is still going. It's like spinning a top and it just it keeps on spinning and you, you kind of know it's going to stop. That's kind of how I feel about all that stuff. Like, you know, because we're seeing where like people are doing those mass uh, robbery sprees. They're almost like a, a flash mob robbing stores. Where people will just go to a jewelry store and like break every glass case. I've seen the videos of them. And we're living in a weird alternate reality where there's, you know, liberal politicians who are denying that's even happening. Or they're saying the people who are doing it are doing it just to like get diapers and groceries. And it's like, no, they're going to, like I saw videos of like people are going to like uh, hip hop fashion stores. Not lids. They're going to stores that sell like really expensive fitted hats and just like busting the windows out in the middle of the night and like 50 people run in and take everything in the store. That was going on a few months ago. They're going into lids. I was in this phase a few years ago, actually more than a few years ago. It was probably 2012. It was right before I went to Korea because I was just drinking like I had this, there was this really bad winter, probably around 2012 or 2013, where like my house, the house I was living in was just totally exposed to the elements and I couldn't use the heating. So I had space heaters, but they would die if I turned them on more than 50%, the power would go out. So we had this really bad cold streak. So I had to stay with my mom for a little while. And so I would just drink and smoke weed late into the night and watch battle rap videos, which I'm not into that. I'm not into like battle rap or hip hop or anything. But I'd watch these Canadian battle rap videos and it was mostly just white guys. But one of the videos, they were in like, like an empty lids. They were in like an old storefront and it looked like a lids, which if you're not familiar, lids is a hat store where they just sell ball caps. They just sell like sports caps. 
and it's called lids because it goes on your head. <laughs> but there was this video of these like these like Canadian teenagers battle rapping in like what looked like an empty lids. Like you could still see the hat racks. You could still see where the hats had been on the wall, and it was just so fucked. Like hanging out. Like how'd they get access to just an empty lids? Nothing, no memorabilia. But anyway, you know, just there's people doing these robbery sprees. You know, San Francisco changed its laws so like you can get away with stealing like nine hundred dollars worth of stuff, and they won't call the cops. So there's a lot of videos of people just going into stores in California, and they just go in and grab as much as they can and walk out, and nothing is done. But you wonder, like, if people just start, you know, not paying their mortgages in mass. Like, if suddenly people just stop paying their bills. I mean, I don't expect that to happen. But you just wonder, like, that sort of domino effect. Because obviously, like, they froze mortgage. You know, they didn't freeze mortgages, but there was, like, something where you could... There was some sort of, like, mortgage rent freeze for a little while, I feel like. Or they waived penalties. There was something where like you don't you weren't being charged late fees if you couldn't pay it for like during lockdown, and uh, people managed to get through that. I guess some people did, most people. But like you just wonder, like with all this stuff I'm talking about, like this spinning top, it just feels like it's still spinning from momentum, but there's like nothing inside of it. If people just stop doing it altogether, I mean, it would be a total collapse. I don't know, I didn't mean to get so dismal here, but it's hard to avoid. Because like, when I actually think about these things, this is where my mind goes lately. I'd like to be more positive. I don't, I don't feel nasty and negative. I just, it just seems realistic to think about it. Because it does feel like some kind of skin suit. I mean, it, it kind of feels the same way I was describing Jabama bin Biden, where it feels like this malfunctioning animatronic creature and it's still doing some of the mannerisms it's supposed to do, but it's also glitching out. It's also malfunctioning. That's kind of how things feel these days. People seem that way. And I was talking to my friend. He lives in Portland. And he mentioned how like he sees kids leaving school and they don't take their masks off at all. Like, they leave school, they have to wear masks all day at school. And he was saying he sees them leaving school and, like, their entire, even if they're by themselves, their entire walk home, they're wearing masks. And I've noticed that, too, because I live down the street from a high school. And I, I sometimes see the kids walking home. And, yeah, they'll just be by themselves far away from the school. And they still got their mask on. They just keep it on. They just, uh, they adapted to it. They adapted to just wearing a mask all the time, outdoors even. I don't care. They, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of these people who freaks out about people wearing masks or not wearing masks. Like, I went to Walmart the other night. I hadn't been there in a very long time. It's always a fun adventure. I like Walmart. My friend had a gift certificate, and she was like, hey, I need to go to Walmart. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, it's like a, telling a dog, saying the word walk to a dog, how a dog's ears pick up and it's excited. That's how I feel when someone says Walmart. Turns out W-A-L words. For a dog, it's walk. For me, it's Walmart. But I'm always excited to go. And I'm always a little bit underwhelmed. Like, I always think it's going to be some, like, transcendental portal. And then I go to Walmart, and I'm a little underwhelmed. But I always leave with, like, 
feeling really good about what I bought. Like I bought what I needed for really cheap, which, hey, it turns out that's why everybody goes there. I went there the other night and I was, I was amazed actually because it's the next town over. Nobody was in masks. I mean, not nobody, but there was a significantly larger group of people who were just going there without masks, just much different than my neighborhood where everybody wears them. But, uh, you know, there's kids and stuff who were like, they, the last two years of their life, which is a big chunk of their life, they just, they just a part of things now. And they wear them the entire walk home. And I mean, I think about like how much I milk my few interesting stories, if you can even call them interesting. Like I've had like five interesting things happen to me in my life. And they all happened to me when I was like between the ages of seven and 15. <laughs> and I milk those to death. But it's like kids who have missed out on like two years of formative experiences, two years of exploration and freedom. Like I mentioned before, just like not being in class with girls for a year. You know, I was a late bloomer. Like I didn't date until I was older, but it was still a big deal. Like if you're in class with a girl and to have that crush on her, to like not be around your peers, to not get to like really like feel that tension even of like being in class with a girl you like. And when you do see her, she's in a mask. It's weird. That's going to change people. And they're already living in this digital world. They're already watching mine. They're already non-binary and watching Minecraft videos all night. So it's going to be a much different world. And we don't even know the impact this is going to have. And, you know, maybe it's not going to be all for the bad. You know, maybe there's a silver lining. I'm not... I'm not even being pessimistic or doomy, not being doomy about it. I'm just saying it's the reality is it's, it's going to have an impact. But what I'm actually fascinated in, just to tie this full circle, to tie this knot, I'm very curious about like the future of business and advertising. As we can see now that it's like companies are like, you know, struggling to keep up. They do. They're struggling to keep up with some of the cultural changes where there's like always something new that they have to accommodate. There's some new word they can't use or some new word they can use. There's always something new to signal. We can see where businesses are adopting new slang. They're basically businesses are having to find quicker and quicker ways to camouflage themselves and try to seem human and organic. And they always fail. They, they always fail to keep up. And people are more wise to all that too. Kids, I think, are probably more wise to how this stuff works than ever. Because I think about my generation, and we already knew all the tips and tricks. Like my generation already knew how advertising worked. We already knew how the game was. And I have to imagine like kids who have grown up online, I'm amazed at what kids know because I don't think they're dumb at all. They might lack experience in some ways, but they've grown up like consuming information and memes. They transmit a lot of information to each other. They're exposed to a lot more ideas, a lot more content. And as a result, like all of these other, the skin suit, 
the skin suit that is surrounding all this is going to have, it's going to be more and more at odds with younger people, I think. And I think that's a good thing. I think that is, that's one of the silver linings is that I think this whole skin suit, like unless kids are just beaten into submission, unless people just become fully automated and enter the metaverse completely, I think all of this stuff is going to just become increasingly foreign to them. And I mean, there's so much that I don't understand. And it, it's like some of that stuff is foreign to me. Like some of what kids are into is completely foreign to me. But I do, you know, people my age, I think we're born on the cusp of two worlds. And I'm feeling that more and more. I better go to bed. Could keep going forever. Could keep going forever. I'll be curious to see how the camouflage develops because it always manages to. You know, like what I was getting at at the beginning was like nature does this too. In some strange way, what's playing out is natural. In the same way that ads try to seem like they are posts on social media. In the same way that advertising campaigns are always struggling to use the latest slang to stay relevant, to camouflage themselves. Nature does it too. Predators do it. And it is funny that it is predators, but also it's also prey. You know, predators will learn to, to look like a, to, they'll learn to blend in with their surroundings. They look like something. I mean, even plants. You know, a poisonous plant will look like a safe plant. And that's how it gets you. But then prey also camouflage themselves as well. Sometimes more effectively. Those octop there's those octopi that can change colors. Literal chameleons. Actual chameleons. You know, change their color to blend in so that predators don't get them. So it's a natural process. I have to remind myself of that. Like just as different parts of our human society and these structures we create camouflage themselves to try to trick us or deceive us in some way, that's a natural process. Seems like no matter what plays out, natural, unnatural, it all ends up kind of being natural. It all ends up kind of following similar processes. Children can run free.